guys excited? So we've been, exactly, we've been promoting this on, on social media for a while already, or all week actually. Uh, and we have a man coming out here all the way, all the way, all the way from Grand Rapids area, so not too far. You know, and here's the thing, uh, his name is Greg Molchan, he is the lead pastor of the Dream Center. And if you're not familiar with the Dream Center, it really is an outreach ministry. They go to the city, they find people in the streets, they don't stick in the building, they go out to the streets. And really, um, we have a partnership with the Dream Center from the Grand Rapids area. And if you don't know what it is, it's the powerhouse ministry that we have. Because of Dream Center, we were able to, we were able to um, they provided us a truck that's out there, though, the orange truck. So on Monday evenings uh, here during the summertime, we're able to do church outside in the parking lot. And let me tell you something, Sue Demers and the team have been so impactful, been showing a lot of fruit in this ministry that we're getting families and kids coming to Jesus Christ. But not only that, they're getting excited about Jesus. You know, uh, every Christmas, they always do the, the shoe drive. Yeah, give it up for them real quick. You know, every Christmas, we do the shoe, the shoe box gifting deal. That's the powerhouse, and that's uh, out of the Dream Center as well, too. And so I talked to Greg, actually, a while ago. We've been trying to get him out here, and he had some openings here in July. And so we had, I said, Greg, would you come out and bring a word? He said, yep, I am coming out there. So I asked him. We talked a little bit. I said, share some vision. Let's talk about a partnership, because this church, you guys are a part of what's going on as well, too. Let's give a warm home welcome to a pastor. Greg. <laughs> Love you, man. Love you, Thanks, man. Awesome, awesome. Uh, can everybody hear me okay? All right. You know, I got this high fandango whirly gig here. It's got to recognize my, oh, there we go. <laughs> recognize my face. No, uh, I, I'm just super excited. Um, I really would like to touch on the relationship, too. Um, Powerhouse has been a fantastic thing. It was actually originally started and home-based in Granville Res, and then it just started to evolve and change. Right about the time, too, with those changes, the Dream Center was really taken off in the city of Grand Rapids, and they came to us and said, this is a perfect fit. We were already partnered with Powerhouse. We had two awesome sites going, and then the leadership changed. And uh, that was like a new beginning, too, I feel like, in the relationship with the Howland Res Church and us. And getting to know Sue and, and some of the others who've, who've done the outreach. And you guys are in a perfect spot to love on some people. I mean, that's amazing. I just want to say thank you guys for just having that heart, having a piece of that heart somewhere. You guys can give yourselves a hand. Um, I, I have a huge heart for the Holland area. Um, I really do. Um, I'm thankful for any bit of relationship that God's given. And it's neat because God's just kind of growing things. There's a special thing, um, and I, I might even be able to say it might be even between Grand Rapids and the Holland area, to be honest with you. Um, for us, it's really growing. Even recently, um, we just uh, started a relationship with Escape Ministries, and it's a, a unique relationship, and it, the partnership played out yesterday. Uh, yesterday, we, had, uh, we do two annual Saturday serve events, and uh, that's a chance for us to really mobilize the body of Christ and mobilize a lot of people. It's kingdom-wide. It's all kinds of churches. I know last year we had uh, mobilized like over 100 people, 27 churches. Hallelujah. Unity in the body of Christ, right? Come on. If we can have unity about the personhood of Jesus Christ and about um, serving, right? I didn't come to be served, but to 
to serve, we can unify around that. And we saw that play out beautifully yesterday. Uh, we mobilized, I think, about seven or eight different teams. And then we had uh, our block party in the Madison block area. It's one of the areas that we've adopted. It's the OG, the original gangsta um, <laughs> that we started in. It's, it's a cool story. I don't know if I'll have time to say more than that. And it was amazing. Well, Escape Ministries recently partnered with a breakdancing crew. If you know real hip-hop culture, you, you would never call it breakdancing. You'd call it b-boying or b-girling. And uh, I know about the, that culture. I probably shared my story in that because, uh, well, now I'm considered old school. I'm, I'm going to be 40 in about a week and a half. But I'm, I'm a b-boy. And so I get this email, this obscure email coming out of Holland about the floor fiends. A couple guys used to be with another breakdancing crew in the area uh, called Circle Junkies. And uh, they, one of the guys came out for Easter. It was explosive. It was powerful. And then seven of the guys came out yesterday at our block party and just lit it up right here from the Holland area. And, uh, man, we're just excited about just different pieces and growing relationship and so I have actually been spending time with one of their, their leaders, too, coming out to Holland a lot, just a young, hungry guy with a dream. And, um, you know, God, God's a dreamer. And uh, I'm excited to talk about that today with what really the Dream Center is all about. I'm going to try to paint this picture. I'm going to tie it together because there's a message here. It's God's message. It's God's heart. And so the Grand Rapids Dream Center, what is it? And uh, let me back the truck up a little bit, too. I didn't have a message originally. I sent my notes off to Jesse like a week ago, and it just said, Res Life Holland, July 2019. But I think I actually got a name for this now. It's going to be Members Are Missionaries. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll paint that picture and we'll unpack that and, and what that means to us. But the Grand Rapids Dream Center, it's a simple mission statement, almost a little too simple. People just don't get it. But I love God is the God of simple. We'll talk more about that later. It's us and religion that really complicates it. Us and our, our self-righteousness or, or false piety. And, and Jesus proved to us that he came to help strip that away 2,000 years ago. But our mission statement is this. It is the Grand Rapids Dream Center is a movement and I'll back the truck, uh, back the truck, truck, I can't say truck right now. Again, people go, where is the Dream Center? It's the number one question, right? Dream Center. We do not have a center. We don't have a building. There is no secret ingredient, Jesse. <laughs> Jesus really is a secret ingredient, but we're a movement. We're a movement that builds trusted relationships um, through weekly consistency and authenticity, right? We got to be real inside the communities of Grand Rapids. Now that's really simple. A lot of people don't get it, but it's very powerful and meaningful because it's very literal. God's kind of compassion, having that authenticity, but then being inside the communities where people are at. And I'm kind of excited to take you on the journey, tell you the story of, of what that means, really relate it to you, tell you more of where I'm coming from with it, and then, you know, and, and then show you how that relates to the bigger picture of what we do and, and who we are as a, the body of Christ. And so here we go. So there's the side of it for us that literally we're mobilized. 
and, and, and we, we go into the communities of our city. But I also feel like there's another powerful part, and I mentioned it a second ago. It's the dream side of God. You know, what is a dream? You know, it's a vision. And you know what? Whether we know it or not, we all dream. We all have visions. Now, there, there's a predominant two voices that compete for what that will be. There's, a, there's God who will prophesy or give us the dreams we were made for, but there's also a very real evil entity, the devil, that wants to speak to us the wrong visions too. And, and praise God, inside the redemption of Jesus, we can know what the real and right dream is and, and the more fulfilling and whole one, right? Not the counterfeit. And I, I, so I get excited about not only has, but has God mobilized the Dream Center, but it's based on this, this fact of a dream. There's purpose. There's, there's mission. You know, with vision, there's got to be mission, right? A vision is just a vision unless there's action, unless there's, there's mission to it. You know, and so for us, in one way, there's the movement of the Dream Center invading the communities of our city with God's love. But you know what? We're dream-centered. Try to catch that. You know, our center, right? We're dream-centered by God. That's our center point. That's who we're called to be. That's, that's truly, really, who the believer is. And um, this whole idea of mission-centered, again, it's the call of every believer, it, it truly is. Now, the danger for today is we can get in this mindset of, of, of separation. You know, we're used to the dynamics and fundamentals of how church operates today, but we can get into this thinking of there's just the power missionary, and that's just them, and we're just somebody else. But the truth is we're all called to be mission-centered. We, we truly are. As a matter of fact, this thing don't really work. We don't really multiply unless we become empowered to be who we're called to be in the body of Christ. Can't get an amen for that? Amen. The definition of a mission, this is just straight out of Google. Don't you love Google? <laughs> I got a little secret for you. You can't believe everything you read on the Internet. <laughs> Another amen for that, but definition of mission, and this is a really secular definition, number one, an important assignment carried out for political, religious, or commercial purposes to typically involving travel. So it's amazing how they identify travel, moving, mobilizing. Number two, the vocation or calling of a religious organization. Now, how did they figure that out? <laughs> Especially a Christian one, this one says here. Come on, dictionary.com. To go out to the world and spread its faith, the Christian mission. You know, even the seculars, the secular people know what we should be doing. <laughs> Goodness. And how easily we can forget. But I believe we're actually in a time right now, I really believe it. God's shifting the body of Christ. I believe really prophetically the body is shifting. I really see it in the young people. I used to say that gingerly. I, used to, I still threw myself in the young people bucket, but I guess 40, I got to just get real. It's time to transfer. But there is a hunger to be outside the four walls. It is just so predominant. I'm seeing it. And, and some people, what they do is they'll get out of balance with it. They'll, start, they'll, they'll, they'll separate from the church. God's not calling us to do that. He's just calling us to build the bridge bigger. And, um, and, and hopefully that's an encouragement to some of you. Um, what I like, again, about the, the, the secular definition, you got, you know, go into all the world, right? 
And that's the great mission, right? It's the great commission. And that really is the baseline for what that means to be a missionary, for us all to be mission-centered, right? That's God's heart. It's the great commission. Go out and tell the world and make disciples. That's right. And, and why, why would that be God's heart? Well, one, he doesn't want people spending eternity separate from him, right? That's, that's terrifying. And secondly, there's just more. There's more. There, there are hurting people. And sometimes when we get in that glory place because God redeemed us, now things are cleaned up, we're acting better, we're talking better, it's almost like that can become our bubble and we forget there's people out there, they're hurting. And they're hurting really, really bad. And I'm so thankful that I've become reacquainted from, from that because people will ask me, Greg, why you? Why the Dream Center? Because I come from a background of bedladen with addiction. Um, Non-functioning and functioning alcoholics and drug addicts. Man, I wish I got like $10 for every AA and NA meeting I went to as a kid. You know, there was a reality there. Um, can I say it put the fear in me? I, I don't know, because I, I, I went through a bad time, and, and thank you, Jesus, he's a redeemer. Um, but it's this call to go out into all the world, and really this, this was the, the beginnings and the birthings for us with the Dream Center, and, and now I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to paint the picture with some different paradigms. You know, prior to the Dream Center, so we started in 14, 2014, I was already in evangelism work. Some would have maybe said I was the power missionary or the power evangelist. And, and so it's like, well, Greg, hey, you know, you're already doing that. And in, in, in some ways we were, but God was about to shift things really dramatically for us and what that looked like. Um, I know for me, we've, we did a lot of world travel and we need to take the gospel everywhere the scripture tells us to, right? And translocally, regionally, and stuff like that. But for me, all of a sudden, my eyes were really awakened to the city of Grand Rapids. And I found myself, too, in roles with, with the, the last kind of uh, evangelism work we were doing. All of a sudden, I'm inside the city of Grand Rapids at times, and my heart's just hurting. I'm just seeing and getting to know people and knowing, man, we're going everywhere, but, but there's so much work here. And it, it was hard for me because some of my paradigms, though, needed, needed to change. You know, and, and, and I think some of our ideas going into it was like, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this shift? And then there was also another side to me with, with the dream side of God. You know, God's got this mission, but there's also this other cool piece to it, too. It's your uniqueness. It's your creativity, and that's where I think when God downloads a vision, he, he, he wants to make it unique. And, and, and guys, he wants it to be fun. <laughs> He's not stuffy. Like, you know, you're going to hear me. I'm Mr. Intensity. And so it's going to be like mission, mission, mission. But, but he wants it to be creative and unique. You know, your freedom in Christ is to strip down layers so you can be the real you and, and, and bring this unique thing. You know, and for me, with, within some of that, I felt like, I was coming to a place, low 30s, um, entering, uh, approaching mid-30s, talking about that like that's young, I guess. Well, maybe, well I guess it's all relative, huh? Um, and I felt like, man, God had done some things inside of me, and, and my wife was experiencing some, some stuff too, 
where it's like, man, we're really walking in a, in a cool level of creativity. Um, we're really experiencing things. You know, I alluded earlier um, to this relationship, that this new relationship that really involves Holland with uh, the floor fiends. Um, that's because when God gave me um, a, a piece of my heart with breakdancing, guess how old I was when I started? Most people think like, yeah, you're, you're a kid, you know, I, I should have been an 80s, well, I was an 80s child. And that's when, when that scene took off. No, I started when I was 29, back in 2009. That's when most people are getting out of the game and they're like, oh man, a, a flare, you kidding me? And, and to boot, I was this big, giant meathead because I was a part of a strength team, so I had this whole sports background thing. But God will put a dream inside of you that does not make sense. And he's looking for courage. And so, you know, here I am. This is a piece of me um, God releases. And you know what was crazy? Had no rhythm for two years. It, it was terrible. It was terrible. It still might be kind of questionable. But, um, but I have the time of my life doing it. I do. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yesterday, you know, getting out with those guys, I was just like, and they're like, oh, wow, like, you really do do this, man. <laughs> I was just having fun. Never would imagine it would have led to, you know, 2019, building more of a relationship with these guys at a block party um, with another crew that we have. We have the ID crew that's a part of the Dream Center. I never thought God would have used that by just having courage just to be me. And I believe that's an important part of this, this dream-centered, mission-centered thing. It's your unique piece to it. And the shift for us was, okay, the need down in the front lines all over our communities, and, but the desire for people to live the same way, to live in that freedom, to, to have that courage to, to be themselves. And in every dream, God's going to, he's going to resurrect that courage. He's going to strip things down. He's going to release you. As long as you'll go with him, you've got to make the choice. God ain't going to violate your will. So you can have the vision, and you can be on the bike just sitting there, and it won't move. You've got to pedal. And for a time, he may make it seem all about you because it is something really unique. But then there's the shift. There's the mission. There's, a, there's the bigger picture, and, and that's where we were at. It's like, man, God started to release this thing, and we, we felt like we saw a movement of dreamers, of dream-centered, mission-centered people. That was the heels on what the Dream Center was built on for us. And in that, though, there was this tension, though, because there was this path we had taken where we knew a certain way of doing things, but God was creating a new path. And more than I knew, a simple path. You see, the scripture says this, Isaiah 43, 18 and 9. This is a classic, but I love this scripture. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Old things aren't bad, but God wants to do something new. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a, a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert going to unpack that a little bit. And so God was really looking for the new and the now. It's great the things of old that God has done, but it's like, let us discern him what he's doing individually and collectively as a body of believers. And that was us. And so, you know, first of all, 
one thing we understood at that time, again, 2014, we understood courage and what God was telling us to do. First of all, he called us to make a decision, a decision to draw a line in the sand and to make the change. And that was when I put in my resignation for 15 years with the other organization that I used to serve with. God bless them. They're awesome. They're still going today. They're great. But we had to make a decision for change. And it was a very event-driven kind of style that, that we had did. We made the jump. And there's, it's always going to be scary, guys. It's going to feel like it. But courage. Courage, I got a definition for, for courage. The ability to do something that frightens one. Uh, strength in the face of pain or grief. You know, that's, a, that's really a decision-making thing. Your feelings probably a lot of the time aren't going to align. But God, throughout the scripture, is always calling for courage. You go back to Abraham. He was called to a land unknown, right? He sacrificed for Lot. A desert? Are you kidding me? And then God's going to make it fertile? Amen, he's going to. And he's just asking us to walk in courage. But it's, it's decision-driven, though. If you wait for your feelings aligned, you're going to be sitting for a long time you got to make the decision. The Bible says this, Joshua 1, 7, and 9. Again, a classic, but we need to proclaim it. It says this, only be strong and very courageous. So God is asking us to do this constantly. And of course, here we are with Joshua about to enter the promised land, right? That generation died off. Um, you know, they left Egypt, but they, the, the Egypt wasn't leaving them. And so they died off, and now they're making the move. And, and then God here is echoing his heart, and it's his heart to us today that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Listen, the Bible will never steer, steer you wrong. God's word will never steer you wrong. We need to meditate in it daily. Do not turn from it from the right hand or the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all accordingly to all that is written in it. So there again, he's, he's telling us the importance of being in it daily. Daily and nightly. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. So he says it again. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now what we found when we've made these kinds of decisions, you will, fear, you will feel real fear, but God's provision of grace will download with you too. He will meet you where you're at. And your feelings will always try to contradict God. But I promise you, God is faithful. And he was in the beginning when we made the decision to make this move. When all this realization was coming together for us. And of course, though, we made the decision. But like a lot of us do. So we make the decision to leave the old, go into the new. And then we start trying to use old things in this new part to get it to work. And that was us too. So, you know, in the beginning, guess what we tried to do? Events. <laughs> and I thought, man, I've got the, the Mac Daddy of them all, you know. I, I got the mother load of events. We're, I'm taking 20, close to 20 years of experience. Um, I've been in the city enough, so we've got these other urban elements. Man, this thing's going to be awesome. And I'll never forget this first event we partnered with, the, the Croc Center. They're a great group uh, down in the city. And... Um, that Croc Center event we did, it was a crock. <laughs> it was, man, what a dead event, man. And, and then the people who came, guess who they were? 
A lot of Christians, like, wait a minute, these aren't the people that we want here. What's going on? And, you know, the realization and the desperation was hitting us. And there's like, God was building a team that had this hunger and passion. And we're just trying to figure out, figure it out. And what I love about God is, even when we venture out, if we'll walk in that courage, he's going to bless us. He's going to guide us. And he was faithful to us to learn. And I remember in our desperation as a team, the, the mindset and the heart was, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? We got to, maybe a fancier event. Wait, no. More lights. No. And God's like, go to the people where the people are at. That sounds really simple. You want to know why? Because it's pretty simple. <laughs> and we're like, well, how do we do that, God? And we we're trying to get like a 10-point plan, you know. <laughs> and uh, then, well, rightfully, we did go into a mode of prayer, but then we wanted to linger in prayer over the streets, right, and hide in our cars, you know. <laughs> Be like, man, I've been out in, you know, Cass Street and Lafayette, man, and oh, they're hurting down there. Really? How do you know? Because I've drove by there like 20 times, man. <laughs> I never forget a guy named Roderick Daniels. Some of you might know him. He was with the Granville campus, and he's done some other work in, in GR. I'm praying, and I'm like, Roderick, man, I don't know. I don't know, man. And uh, where do we start? Well, he's like, where are you guys all looking at? And we're like, you know, Lafayette, Franklin. He goes, oh. Now, Roderick was from GR, okay? He got shot in the head. And he was a big gangster and drug dealer back in the day. He's like, Perfect. He's like, man, those people are hurting up in there, man. You got to start there. So guess where we started? That's where we started. But I'll never forget, he gave us so much confidence. He goes, you want to know what? He goes, he goes, I know there's challenges you got to overcome. He goes, but when people see your heart and that you care, he goes, that might have more power than me being a guy they know who got shot in the face. It might mean more that you're coming out of your comfort zone and you're showing how important those relationships are. I'm like, great, Roderick, thank you very much. And boom, we were off and running. We drew the line in the sand August 14, and, and we started. There was three of us, and um, right in the neighborhood. And I'm telling you, you know, this faith, courage thing, it continues to play out. You know, night number one, we were pumped. We were prayed. Pulled into the school, got about to go into the streets. Guess what? It was raining. We're like, you know what? We should start next week. <laughs> Isn't that just a classic? Ah, just another week, man, another month, you know? And something inside us like, no, 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 we got to go out. We went out in the rain, and the rain dried up. You know, and uh, I was telling people at the block yesterday, it's like, hey, there's the Lewis Thompson Caradine family. That's one of the first families we met on night number one. They're a part of the Dream Center. And it's like, little did we know what God was going to do, the favor, the provision. But I also got to say this, going out there, it was not easy. It was clumsy. It was clumsy as all get out. I mean, I was supposed to be the experienced evangelist guy who preached like, you know, like more Billy Graham style. I'm not Billy Graham. But like, you know, that platform, right? Big audiences, stuff like that. So it's like, hey, you're that guy, Greg, right? You've done that before. So, man, you're going to kill it tonight, man. And uh, I'll never forget rounding like Cass Street. It's a notorious street, FYI. I'm sure you guys know the notorious streets around here in Holland. If you don't, you need to. 
And there was a group of young people on the porch, and there were some ethnic differences between us and them. But we rounded the corner and seen them, and it was like they seen us, but our momentum was taking us this way. And it was like my wife and, and Barb Williams, she's like, what do we do, Greg? What do we do? I got, we got to keep going. We're going to look stupid. <laughs> but the problem was where their house was, we couldn't just like deviate like a street over and like, you know, play it all cool and nonchalant. We'll meet them later, you know. <laughs> no, we had to go their way. And it was this awkward, guys, I'm telling you. I was like, my wife's like, what do we do, Greg? You're the evangelist. What do we do? What do we do? I, I don't know. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? Come on, you got this, Greg, right? And it's like, and then here they are on the porch. What do we do? What do we do? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> That's how it went. That was, that was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm, but I'm telling you, God blessed it. I met Timmy Suggs that night. I met Tay. I met uh, Debate. They call him D-Hood. Um, it was crazy. We made friends, and uh, I actually did have to do windmills in the grass, you know. <laughs> Like it get some respect. <laughs> we went a couple houses down, and I'm gonna keep this message moving here. Um, I'm reflecting on the glory days, aren't I? Um, and these other couple guys on the porch were like, "What were you guys doing? That is a notorious group. Were you guys buying drugs? <laughs> Only people like you would be here to be buying drugs." And I'm like, "No, we just made some friends." They're like, "You're kidding me." They're like, "We don't even have something to do with those guys." But you know what's neat about people? Not all of them on that porch may have been right in the drug scene. I later found out who the notorious, notorious one was that night. But everybody are people. And we've gotten to know the most notorious person on that porch and all the other guys. One lady was there that night and in between. And uh, we've all become great friends, mutually supportive, and uh, doing life together the best we can. And God's on the move. God's doing stuff. Now, I think of one guy, Timmy Suggs, you know, he's helped us lead our open, uh, our open gym. He helped us design a shirt for a Hoop Dreams basketball camp. I think of Tay, he had to do some community time. You know, he, he went out with our World Changers team every week, faithfully, but was one of our best guys. You know, man, we had no idea. God's got a call for us to do this. And, and, and let, let, let's take notice here while I'm moving. So we read Joshua 1, 7, and 9, and Isaiah 43, um, 18, and, 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 and 19. A couple of things to take note with this courage. Um, when it was talking about remembering the, the uh, f- do not remember the former things, uh, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing, shall you not know it? But it says, I will even make a road in the wilderness. And that's what these moments, I'm telling you, are all about. Courage. And it says rivers in the desert. What's, what's a river in a desert if you really drill it down in Isaiah's day? That's provision, okay? You need water. Um, right here, it, it tells us this. When, we, when we're, we're strong and courageous in Joshua, it says, what, what, will, what will happen? I'll make your way prosperous. So God's telling us he'll be faithful. Uh, you fast forward there in that same passage. You'll have good success. But you know what, God, he doesn't always just kick it in. He's just asking us to be faithful. And um, there's, there's another important piece to it. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Already gone wrong. <laughs> I'm going to keep reading the scripture, Isaiah 43, so I'm going to tack on uh, verse 20. 
It says, the beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, man, God says it twice in that passage about his provision. To give drink to my people, my chosen, that's you, that's me. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so we started with what we knew by courage on a mission. Through action, God stripped off the old for the new. It's a picture of life, death, and resurrection. This repeating pattern, but God's faithful to it every single time. And what's a resurrection? That's supernatural provision, everybody. It's supernatural. Don't forget that. We can still get caught up. I do it, and myself works, trying to achieve, and then God's so nice. No, 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 Greg, you're doing it again, man. You're trying to do you. I, I love that, Greg. Keep putting your best in, but I, I got this. You do your part, don't take my part, and I'm going to do the supernatural. And so God has proven himself inside of this, but what I want to say about this process, and in particular, in particular with being a missionary, is this. We're all called to be missionaries, but what's that mean? So um, the scripture says this. It says, go into all the world and make disciples. So going into all the world, that's intentional. Say intentional. intentional. And then and make disciples, that's exponential. But how do we do it? Intentional is this. This is how the process works. The only way to produce a disciple is through weekly intentional relationship consistency. Let me say that again. You know, if you've got to get notes or something like that, do it. Weekly, intentional relationship consistency. Now, it's not some kind of law. There are some people that we are discipling that, you know, it might not be in particularly every week. But guess what? We're there every week. They might not be. But we're there. And so um, the intentional part is where we look around and we go, where is God calling us? Who are those people that we're going to demonstrate that weekly intentionality? Now, for some of you, it's in the highways and byways of Holland. And maybe it's in these broken areas like what we're doing inside the city in Grand Rapids. Because the local mission, it's here. There's way more than enough. We need all of you. We need all of you in this community in Holland. It's got to happen. And how is more of the community going to be reached when those down and outers are feeling the love? And it's going to take a lot of time, by the way. It's going to take a lot of time. I think we're getting through one generation of people that I, I, I dare say, I'd say they're, they're, they're pretty much being discipled, but that's five years. And they're starting to reproduce a little bit. And let me tell you, this stuff's messy. You know, again, I talked about earlier, we get our lives cleaned up, we get redeemed and a beautiful church, but there's a hurting world out there. And so this is dispatch. We come in here, we can be safe, and we can be built up because this is dispatch. Who are our weekly people that we need to be intentional with, consistent with, that are going to be one? It's a combination of winning the lost, and then now while we're winning them, we're building that trust. We're, we're pulling them into a vortex of discipleship where one day, yeah, hopefully... This is the picture. They're, now they're becoming a part of dispatch. And for some, you know, Christian environments are completely foreign. I got to tell you, the people that we reach and engage, they're scared as all get out to come into an environment like this. And that's why I love how disarming it is when we go into their environment 
and, and, and we meet them where they're at, it shows this tremendous amount of love, um, but, they, but it makes sense to them. And here's another reality too, darkness, darkness is not going to come to where there's light. That's, that's fact. And God's called us to go into it, and some people will ask me, well, man, uh, uh, man, that's going to be scary. It's going to be dangerous. I want to tell you, God will, he'll rebuke the devourer, just like it says in Malachi. God's provision of safety, let me tell you. I told you about, an, uh, about one of the guys we met in that porch, the notor one of the notorious characters earlier. Well, fast forward uh, a year and a half later, we were in a school. We did a school assembly, and it was uh, an alternative school in GR, so there was a lot of rough characters there. And he was there. I was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? I'm kicking it with him. I'm talking to him. Well, a lot of his people in that school, they were threatened by me and because um, they didn't know me. And then I get a call from the teacher who called us in there, and he says, what are you guys doing in the city of Grand Rapids? What's going on? He goes, I, I overheard so-and-so talking to this group of guys. And he goes, Greg, I got 25 years of school experience. I used to be down in Belleville, outside of uh, St. Louis, and in southern Illinois, one of the worst or hardest districts ever. It's a good district now. Um, and, you know, and, and down in the Heights down there, and I've seen some rough kids. These are, these are the hardest kids. What are you guys doing? I go, well, why? What's going on, Mark? He says to me, well, this guy was getting all kind of cornered, like, who is that guy, man? How do you know, man? What's going on? I'm probably thinking that he was a narc or something. Uh, narc, um, that's um, gangster language for a snitch. Um, <laughs> you're laughing, Jesse. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and so, anyways, I'm losing track of my story. And so, there, what's going on? What's going on? And he says, listen, listen. These guys, they're here for good. They're helping this community. If I hear you're doing anything to these guys, he looked up at them, and Mark's over here in the distance. He goes, I'm, I'm putting a hit on all of you. It's pretty good when you get, like, you know, in-neighborhood gangster protection. <laughs> By the way, that guy, um, I, I thank God for that guy. He did throw a bike at me once, but, well, it was actually at the other gang that I was in between. He Not at me, at them, but... In God's provision, I didn't get hurt, only a little bit, but <laughs> I want to tell you, though, this is God's heart, and, and I'm making some lightness of it, but God will be faithful, and, and there will be some fear to be overcome. Um, let me see if I can bring this home, and then we're going to pray. Um, I want you to know there's a simplicity, too, in the gospel message of who God is as you win trust. Um, I'm more excited about it than ever. But there's something important to know about the, the gospel message and the truth. These truths we, we learn every week. And this is very important for you to know. And it's this. We're called to be in the game. I've been, I've been kind of saying it in not so many words all message long. We are all called to be in the game. And here's what, ha here's what, what can happen is we like to pay our money and get our ticket and go watch the game and be like, yeah, look at the pros on the field. And we can do that in church. Now, it's awesome. We need to give our tithes and offerings, and we do need to fund special missionaries. We need to do that. But that doesn't mean we just go and sit on the sidelines. God's calling us into the game, and he's calling us to get messy. And you know, on a football field, I'm an old football player. Those guys are rowdy, aren't they? It gets messy out there. But guys, that's the body of Christ. That was Jesus. Who did Jesus honestly hang out with? Let's, let's just break this down. Who did he hang out with? It wasn't the Pharisees. 
or the Sadducees, it was the pimps, the hustlers, uh, modern day language, more gangster terminology. Um, I think I said prostitutes, uh, the lame, the blind, the marginalized of society. You know why? Because that's the gospel message. It's God and his divine perfect place. He enters the filthiness of humanity and shows his character. And he doesn't come as a king in a clean palace. He goes to those people groups showing us the heart of God. That's why there's something inside of us when we hear this, we get excited. You know why? Because that's what we're made to do. That's what we're made to do. And I want to tell you, when we go from members to, to being the missionaries that we're called to be, the family grows. I'm telling you, these relationships, they are family. I mean, I wish I had so much more time to tell you stories. I'm so affectionate. I was sitting here in worship. I was crying, crying with some of the lyrics today because I was just overcome with, with the love that God's given in the family that he's growing. And in one sense, you know, you guys are a part of a family. You're part of the Res Life family, you know, and guess what? You got a Grand Rapids family now. And we're all, there's, there's a thing God's got between us all here. And um, I want to make a, you know, a challenge. You know, there are some that need to be surrendered to who Jesus is. And we're going to take a minute to close up with that here in just a moment. Um, I'm going to transition to that place. But there's, there's, there's two kinds of surrender for today. And that is this. Um, there's a surrender to him because we're made to be in relationship with God. We can keep playing around with it and, and trying to search through all the counterfeits this world has to offer and just to, to hit a goal or to try, whether we do it through success the right way without maybe cheating or lying or maybe robbing and stealing and then to find out at the same spectrum, it's empty. You know, I, I love it even with riches. It says in Proverbs, it takes wings and it what? It flies away. We're made to be in relationship with God. The main thing is the main thing. And, you know, we think of God being so big and mighty, and he is. And it's like, how could God ever want us? But, but, but God, again, in that message, he entered humanity. He took on human nature, the limitation of humanity. And for what? To die and give himself as a ransom, to make a payment for the judgment that we deserve. What for? Not just so we can get a free ticket to heaven and escape hell. And, and, and if you're only motivated by that, that's better than nothing. Hell's a bad place, but no, it's abundant life. It's eternal life. Keeping the main thing the main thing, being, being redeemed, and then having confidence, not running from God, running to God, because Jesus died for us. He made the payment for us. It's final, paid in full, if we'll put our trust in that. And so in a minute, I do want to make a call. If anybody has played around with that, or you departed from it, or you just didn't get what that was, we're going to make a call for surrender, for the main thing, for relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, but we're going to make another call for surrender too. And that's a surrender, this is going to sound like a play on words, a surrender to the call of God. Man, I meet a lot of good believers and they'll go years not surrendering to the call. The call is what? Your missionaries. There are people, groups all around here you're called to. Some of you are special missionaries. You'll, you'll go to Africa um, or some place that needs the gospel, and, 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 and you need to surrender to that. But a lot of us, we're called here. We're called here. 
And so if you take a minute and uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, let's go to the first call again. Right relationship with Jesus Christ, with our Heavenly Father God. So if you're listening today, a lot of you, you're, you're here weekly, you know what this means. But again, Jesus paid the price. He showed us the character of God. He died demonstrating such a love. And he was just, God is so humble. That's our God. And what does that tell us? That tells us that we can trust him. That he would die for us. No greater love than he who lays his life down for his friend. Really? That's the character of God? We, oh, we got to get this. He's so good. And so if you've run from that or you didn't understand that and the light's going on today, I want to count to three in just a moment. If, if you know you need to make a decision to enter that right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, I'm going to count to three. And if you know that's you, if you feel it's your very first time, maybe it's your first time understanding it, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up into the air. But I want to speak to one other group of people. If you are returning to God, maybe you've heard that message, but you haven't been devout. You know that your heart hasn't been surrendered, and you know you need to come home. You need to come home, just like the prodigal son. That's the other side of the grace of God. He says, come, come. The Father will run to you right here, right now, through Jesus Christ. So if that's you and you're understanding the words that I say, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Put your hand up high. Thank you so much, sir. Is there anybody else? Thank you. I see your hands over there off to uh, my left, your right. I see some hands over there again now to my right and your left. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Is there anyone else? God is just so good. He's so merciful. Thank you, God. Just another moment. Is there anybody else? You're feeling the tug, you know? Maybe you're shaking on the inside. That's not your flesh. That's the Holy Spirit just saying, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Just respond. Surrender. Don't run. Surrender. Praise God. You can put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do with heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to lead this house, this body in a prayer. We're going to pray this as a church family. For those who lifted their hands, I think I've seen probably a good, I don't know, five, maybe eight people. I'm not trying to stretch that. Um, but it doesn't matter what the numbers are. You know who you are. We're going to pray together. We're going to repeat a prayer with our mouth like the Bible tells us to do. We're going to mean it from our heart. And, and do this together, even for those of us who are saved. Let's say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. You're the Son of God. You came to the earth. You walked the earth. And then you died. You gave your life. Shed your blood for the forgiveness of my sin. I also believe that you rose from the dead on the very third day, defeating death, defeating the devil, and defeating sin. I receive that power. I enter into a right relationship with Father God. I thank you you did that for me. I surrender all. I give my whole life to you. 
I also reach out for my divine destiny to walk the path you have for me. I thank you, God. I am a child of God. Sealed for eternity. In Jesus' name. Now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, one other quick moment, and then I'm going to ask Pastor Jesse to come up here and stand with me as we transition. If you know that God's calling you, now, maybe... I'm talking surrendering to the call of God, being that missionary, getting out of your comfort zone, and then being dedicated to it. You can start with a one and you're done. That's awesome. But God's calling us to graduate and to grow, to be dedicated into the process, into the, the, those relationships that need to change. If that's you, you know God's calling to you. You might not know what it's, it looks like, but you're willing to make a decision to say, I'm going to go through the struggle to get to that point and then I'm going to be committed to it. I promise God's a provider and you're going to see the power of God move. But if you know you need to surrender that call, you, you, you maybe it's a commitment issue. Count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Let's do this fast. One, two, three. God's calling you. All right, praise God. More hands. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Jesse, would you come up here and, and pray? You can put your hands on. Pray a closing prayer over those who are responding. Father God, we just thank you right now. You see the hands, Father, but most importantly, you see the hearts. Lord, I know sometimes we can hesitate in our life whether we should do this or not, Father, but there is a fire that's burning in every single one of these hearts, Lord. There's just some that are just stepping up to the plate and saying, I'm ready. Father, continue to speak into their life. Continue to kindle that fire. Continue to bring tools and resources and ideas, Father God. Anoint them, Father God, for the calling that they're accepting, Father. Lord, I pray right now for every single one of these people here, Lord, that no obstacle will stop them from pursuing the call, that no words that's trying to counter your word, Father, will stop them from the call, and that whatever it takes, Lord Jesus, they would just say, you are faithful, and I will trust you every single step of the way. Father, the way Peter just got out of his boat, saw the impossible, but did it for the moment, Father. Let these people have that faith that Peter had at that moment, Father. And Lord, even when Peter missed it and messed up, you were right there picking them right back up, Father God, because of your faithfulness. So Jesus, I pray for every single one of these people. I commission them. I anoint them, Father God, according to your word and your power and your Holy Spirit. The moment they get up from this chair, the moment that they say amen, the moment that they walk out, Father, they are already active and moving, Father God, as missionaries here in this place, Father God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we all say amen and amen. Guys, give it up for Greg. Greg, stay up here for a second, man. All I got to say is, wow.